0: Well, as we begin this series out of 2 Corinthians uh, this fall, we went through 1 Corinthians a couple of years ago. Um, I, I have to confess, I've never named a message series Gritty. But it's an interesting word, and I think you'll find it uh, appropriate. I did not name it glossy spirituality, and I did not name it glamorous spirituality. You won't find much of that, although we'll find some very inspiring high points in this book, but it's gritty spirituality. One of the uh, adjectives, one of the meanings of the word gritty is courageous persistence, like, like a gritty pioneer woman. In fact, people who study high capacity folks who've really succeeded in life, they'll say, even though people have all kinds of different talents, and you need some talent for that, but probably the indispensable issue is grit, that, that once you start doing the right thing, you don't give up prematurely, you have grit. And so it's, it's this courageous persistence. And grit can also, can also mean this tough, uncompromising realism. And it's sort of like a gritty novel. Well, Paul writes us a gritty letter in Second Corinthians. It's, it's uncompromisingly real. In fact, there's probably no letters in, in the New Testament where Paul is more disclosing, more transparent about what's really going on, about the struggles he had internally and the struggles externally. And, and he just does us an incredible favor because we get that stuff and, and we can meet him right there. And, and so it's gritty. And, and, and to make my point, uh, right out the door, right out the gate, he starts by talking about our pain, our pain. Not about our overcoming victory, although you'll see that throughout this. But, but this realism is real about pain. Pain is a universal human experience. There's not a one of you that hasn't experienced pain. I mean, your mom experienced pain when you were born. And the first thing they wanted you to do was start crying. <laughs> and it kind of went downhill from there. I mean, every one of us have been hurt. We've lost jobs. We've had people stab us in the back. We've been disappointed with what people have done to us or what people didn't do for us that they should have. Our expectations have been shattered. I mean, some of you are sitting even in this room right now with physical pain. Your back may be hurting. You may be struggling with illness. I mean, pain is a universal human experience. Can I hear you say yes just one more time? Yes, yes. And, and so this is where Paul starts in this gritty realism. In his verse 3 of chapter 1, it's, it's right here at the beginning. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our victories. <laughs> yeah, afraid not. No, this is gritty, right? Who comforts us in all our troubles. Let's get over it. Um, following Jesus involves having troubles in Paul's case it would be it would be just a tremendous price like our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan are starting to pay this week and we'll have to in the weeks ahead It, it was the persecution just in this world what it means to be identified with Jesus and pain has a lot of different sources to it trouble has a lot of different reasons but he says that we serve a God who comforts us in all our troubles. He doesn't gloss over that. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, verse 5, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient, and a word we like even less, endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Endurance. Something's produced of patience, patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. But he doesn't leave us in despair. Verse 7, and our hope for you. Our hope, in spite of all that reality. Our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Now, as is the case through most of the Bible, most, with most of the biblical writers, Paul is not going to wrestle with us the question of why does God allow trouble in the first place? If he loved us, why would he let us suffer? you don't really find that reason. We understand we live in a fallen world. It probably goes back to when, man, Genesis 3, when we rebelled against God, but that's not really the question that Paul wrestles with in Second Corinthians. But what he does, especially here in chapter one, is wrestle with the question, not why did God allow this to happen to you or to me, but given that it has, why waste it? <laughs> Like, why waste our pain in our trouble? And so he's going to give us three ways to turn your pain around. Three ways to turn your pain around. And we're going to begin with this first one. He, in so many words, is saying to the Corinthian church, don't let your pain lie to you. Don't let it lie to you. Now, the problem with pain is it hurts. But it also lies pain can just distort our perspective we can't even th- makes us not even think straight and we start believing lies about ourselves we start believing lies about the people around us we start believing lies about god himself and this is where paul starts because at at the top of that list is the lie that god must not care for me if i'm hurting right now if i'm going through trouble god doesn't care for me and so paul in that very first verse, verse three, that we started with a few minutes ago, he's gonna smash that lie to smithereens. For he says, praise be to God. He's gonna go talk about all kinds of bad things that happened to him. But praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what? A little louder, compassion, and the God of all comfort. Now, compassion, in, in the Greek, sometimes this word into English is translated as pity or mercy, but but it's a together with. In fact, I do like the English, it's an accurate translation, the word compassion. It's a compound word in English, com from the Latin with and passion. And he's with you in your passion. He's not indifferent to your passion. And and in spite of everything Paul's gonna say about we suffer and and all of this sort of thing uh, for following Jesus, he's gonna say, here's where the ground gets staked out. And one of the keys to freedom and growth in our spiritual lives is that process of continually replacing lies and misbeliefs with God's truth and sometimes you can't follow your feelings here your feelings will be followers not leaders here what leads you is the truth and our self talk can be so vicious and you're just hurting and pretty soon you find yourself uh, you know just going god don't you care about me all this and all these lies maybe god doesn't care maybe god's lost my address maybe god's lo- forgotten my name he certainly doesn't seem to be anywhere nearby right now I just feel like I'm this and and, and the God's forsakenness. Uh, the great Bible teacher from Britain uh, John Stott he says sometimes the hard part of pain is not just the suffering it's the seeming God forsakenness of it it's, it's like God's kind of lounging on a celestial deck chair while we're all thrashing around trying to survive and not drown and, and, and we can start buying into this lie that, that, that God's not close to me in my pain. But this word, compassion, first of all, says, says no, here's the truth. I don't care what you feel. You, if you have to write this on a note card and put it on your mirror, here is the truth that we replace sometimes our very vicious self-talk with. Here's the truth. He's got a he's of compassion, of compassion. He's with us in our pain. He's not indifferent to what you and I are going through. But not only that, now here's the active word, and he's the God of all comfort. Comfort, which, which is, in the Greek, the word related to paraclete. It's, it's, it's how Jesus described the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going into heaven, but I'm gonna send the paraclete. I'm gonna send the comforter with you. And it has the idea of the giving of strength in the Greek word, and that's why we translated it comfort in English. Again, a compound word, com, with and fort, from Latin fortis, which means strength. You know, in music, it's not pianissimo, like quiet, but it's forte. And God puts forte in our hearts when we are walking through trouble and pain, because He is the God of all comfort. He's in the job of actively infusing comfort and encouragement and strength into our lives. So, so this lie that God doesn't care, when, when your pain lies to you and says, God is out of commission here, and, and, and He's just passed you over, you may feel that, but we feel a lot of things that aren't the truth. Here, I'm glad God put it in black and white, just so it's always there. This is what's always true about Him. He's the God of compassion and the God of comfort. And we're gonna go on in, in a moment, but, but while I'm on this, uh, just a few other things on the short list of uh, of the ways pain lies to us. The, the, not only about God, but pain can lie to you about yourself. Pain can say, say, you know what, you're just all alone in this. And you know, there's something I found about pain that makes me want to pull away from people. And it's not good to get too isolated when you're really hurting. But pain can do this. And and, and along with, with with just making you want to pull away, pain can actually lie to you and you say, you know what, you're not getting enough phone calls. There's not many people who really care about you anymore. And and, and uh, you know what? Pain just has this way of making us into black holes. It's like no matter how much people encourage us. It's it's it, it can sometimes feel like never enough. And and I just say like, you know what not only is god forgotten about me but 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 i'm just kind of all alone in this or or no one understands me and it's very easy and i'm very careful if i come along someone who's hurting to say hey i understand what you feel uh, because you may not unless you've really walked that kind of experience with them but pain can lie to you and, and say, you know what, I'm just not that important to other people. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Um, you know, I don't know that anybody's there for me right now. And, and you don't want to go down that, that direction. That, that'll be full of lies. There are people who care about you, if you have anybody in your life. But these kind of lies isolate us from other people. And, and then there's lies about ourselves. And, and one of the worst is, I deserve this. Your pain. Can sometimes be reinterpreted by you to say this is evidence that I'm a worthless person I deserve this now when when you come to Christ you get something you're unworthy of you know you've sinned against God and what does he come back with he comes back with Jesus on the cross and resurrection power and say you're forgiven I'm moving you from being a slave to darkness to be a child in my household. You're heir of the family fortune of the heavenly father. You are blessed. You are, you are new. You, you, are, you are my child. You have my spirit. I, I've forgiven you. I've given your grace. You my grace. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not worthy of that. And it's okay to feel unworthy. It just keeps us grateful but there's a great difference between being unworthy and worthless, feeling worthless. That's shame. That's the kind of shame Jesus took on himself on the cross. That's the kind of shame that, that, that is not to be a part of our life. You're not worthless. He's loved you with an everlasting love. He loved you before you even were. He loves you. You are not worthless and yet sometimes this can get so distorted. I'm grateful that Dr. Grant Jones in our church and on one of the Wednesday electives, uh, Wednesday night options for, ad- for adults will be a, a, a short class in parenting and dealing with this whole issue of shame in in our children shame is taken away at the cross of Jesus but sometimes pain wants to bring us back to shame and and, and you know we say oh, i probably deserve this why fight it i mean I, I mean i'm worthless anyway you don't want pain to lie to you in that way or more commonly pain will simply say you know you know i'll never i'll never stop hurting when you're in the middle of something, it's very easy to believe that lie. You're never going to stop hurting. And then, and then you end up despair, and it takes your hope away. And, and, and you just end up saying to yourself, there's no hope here. This is what pain viciously can do to us. It can lie to you about yourself and, and finally leave you no hope. If you're struggling with very dark depression right now, which even people who have walked closely with the Lord at times can experience, I mean, that's the biggest vacuum in your life just no hope it's just I, I just can't see any possibility there's no light at the end of this very dark tunnel but i want to encourage you today in the name of god of the god of all compassion and all comfort I, I, I want to say to you there's still hope we started with verse three but we ended in those scriptures we read a few minutes ago with verse seven and look where he goes he said and our hope for you is firm our hope for you is firm He's going to talk about all our suffering, but he said our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. I don't care how hopeless you feel today. Just crack the door on the possibility that there's a God who loves you. There's no shame in this. There's no shame in desperately needing him. There's no shame in, in, in even hearing the lies of your pain. But there's, there's still hope that we can at least crack the door open on today. In fact, it reminds me of, our, of many of our favorite verse. It's in Romans 8, 28, where it says, For we know... We know, not just we suspect, but we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Four very important words in there. First of all, the two words, all things. Don't you love those words? (laughs) All things. Your pain will preoccupy you with all things and it'll steal away the hope. But I want to tell you, God's agenda is to get you from those two words to the next two words. In all things, God works. Hallelujah. I'm very conscious this, of, of this as a pastor. We we a lot of people are staying home again with COVID, but we fill this auditorium up, and this 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 people that you know you you come in and. You know, so often we're just distracted with all things. And yet, when we come to worship, when we come to sing those faith-building songs like we did today, what's God doing? He's moving us from all things, from those two words to the next two words. Listen, God's working. You may not see his hand yet, you may not know it, but something about him has not changed. He's still the God of all compassion and all comfort. And he doesn't explain himself why suffering goes in the same sentence. But he's the God of all compassion and comfort. That's why in all things, there's always the hope of getting to the next two words, and that's why we have hope. God's still working. I don't see what he does. I don't get it sometimes. But God is still working. He's still working. And so that gets us to the, se- to the second way to turn around our pain. First of all, don't let it lie to you. But then let your pain shape you without defining you. Let your pain shape you. But don't, but don't go so far as to let your pain define you. What do you mean by that? Well, when I was in middle school, um, I early in life developed acne, you know, all those pimples on your face, all those, let's be gritty, all those zits on your face. And I get a big zit, I hate it when it was on my nose. I get a big red zits on my face. And so I'm walking into middle school, and uh, am I thinking they're saying oh what a handsome young boy with red hair Mm. you know what I go in there and all I can think of is I'm a zit (laughs) that's all people see my zit or zit's plural sometimes pain does that for you sometimes we actually shape our identity around our pain and say this is who I am and you start believing the lie again. That's not who you are. You're a child of God, full of the Holy Spirit, with his word and his authority and his grace and his help on your side, whether you're getting what's happened today or not. You're a God-works person. You're not just an all-circumstance person, but you're a God-works person. And you're more than just a problem on two legs. Your identity is not your problem. Your identity has been radically reworked around Jesus Christ and who you are in him. We don't just follow Jesus. We are in Christ, and our identity is renovated, and we are new because of him. So you don't want your pain to define you. But you can let your pain shape you. If we're not going to waste our pain, let's let it shape us today. Let's let our pain shape us. So this is where Paul goes. We left off at verse 7. Now he goes in verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Asia Minor would have been present-day Turkey. And these were problems that came because of Paul stand for Christ and the persecution he was getting, like like our brothers and sisters in Christ in Afghanistan uh, right now that we were praying, and many other parts of the world. He said, we experienced troubles in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Yes, this is the super-Christian. Yes, this is the man of God, the Apostle Paul, full of the Holy Spirit. And he said, we came to a place where we thought this was lights out. We despaired of life itself. We, he said, we were pressed beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. The next verse. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. We thought, we will not survive this. We will not survive this. But... This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. So He's not wasting His pain; He's not cursing God out because He got pressed beyond what He could endure. God, if You love me, why would You let me go through this terrible thing? No. But He says, "Here's here's what shaped in me less." trust in what i bring to the table and more trust in what his resurrection power brings to me i mean this just shapes something in him he said indeed we had felt the sentence of death but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on god who raises the dead and i want to tell you i don't understand a lot of things i was at the 40th anniversary of the church I started at the University of Minnesota when I was an engineering student last weekend. It was an over, I'm still trying to sort out what all we experienced. It was an overwhelmingly wonderful experience and looking back on the faithfulness of God and today's as a church there 40 years later that all came out of a little student group I started leading at, when I transferred to the University of Minnesota as a junior. A little Chi Alpha group, uh, some of God campus ministry group. We started with, With a dozen dozen and a half students and by a year later in the end of my senior year i had shrunk that down to three people many of you have heard this story and uh, my friend steve one of the other two who was with us last weekend again sat in my dorm and said maybe we should pray and fast i became desperately hungry for god i just i I just it, it wouldn't let go of me for months i just became desperately hungry for god And as far as I could tell, my calling into engineering was confirmed because I totally failed at trying to be a spiritual leader. And a year and a half later, halfway through fall semester, my second year of grad school at that same university, God did something I can't explain. We had a supernatural breakthrough. We grew overnight to 65 students and then 100. And we were just walking through that whole reality. What happened that night on this, I was 23 years old in the fall semester of 1975. What happened to that night in my life as a 23-year-old where God gave me a breakthrough that came for no other reason than some of us became desperately hungry for God. I mean, we were pressed. I was pressed beyond my ability to lead and my ability to endure. I mean, I was about to be discouraged, but when my friend said maybe we should pray and fast, I don't, I don't know. God just took my heart, and God just made me hungry for him and now 40 years later I pastor a church what's our first core value being hungry for God because who cares the limits of our endurance we serve the God who says we don't have to rely on ourselves he raises the dead and I just relived this last week I found myself saying Lord I'm so glad I failed at my first attempt at ministry Because that failure and that pain, it just shaped, it just shaped the dependence on you that by your grace I'm still trying to carry to this day in my life. I'm still believing it for our church family. But I want to tell you this stuff that God lets us go through. We fall on our face, we hurt, we fail. We're beyond our own endurance, but we learn not to rely on ourselves, but on him who raises the dead. Hallelujah. I'll take another yes right now. Yes 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 so that leads us to the last thing don't let your pain if you're going to turn your pain around don't let your pain lie to you but but let your pain shape you as he teaches you to be more dependent on him uh, although don't let that pain without defining you and then thirdly let's turn our personal pain into empathy and ministry to others let Why waste what you've been through? Your world is full of people who need someone who's been through it to walk with you right now. And so we go back to the very first sentence that we read this morning. That's Back to verse 3, except we're going to finish the sentence this time. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that because God has purpose ahead for you. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Some of you right now are volunteering as our hosts and hostesses at the doors. You wear these badges, and, and, but why are you doing it? I mean, you don't have to volunteer to do that on a Sunday morning, but why are you doing it? It's quite possible you've known what it is to be lonely. You've known what it is. Before I came back to pastoring, of going to a church, even though I was a speaker, I'd still be nervous walking in. Wouldn't know where things were. Wouldn't know a soul. And you've been in that position. And you're saying, by God's help, nobody's going to walk into Central Assembly that way. I know that pain. And I work through it. And I'm going to just walk alongside other people who also may feel nervous and all alone when they look at a sea of faces in the lobby that they don't recognize. It's awesome. Some of us, boy I just watch you come alongside people who are hurting so many times. Like our life groups, I see some of our life group leaders, I'm gonna be having lunch with them all um, after this service is over, if it ever ends, and um, (laughs) if I ever end. Somebody sent us a note uh, about a week ago, saying, I'm in this life group right now. These are home groups that meet during the week. She, she said, it's the greatest small group I've ever been in. has been my lifesaver. Because there's people there that just walked with me, that wouldn't let me be alone. We, our family just ended up, I'm paraphrasing, but our family just went through a really difficult time. And our life group there, and I, and I almost guarantee, you, I don't know who else was in our life group, but I almost guarantee you there were people there who have walked through similar things. I know I lost my mom four months ago and my last parent died and many of you have had that experience but you turned your you'd write me notes and you wouldn't beat me over the head with Bible verses you wouldn't flippantly say well I know how you feel but but you just said I'm, I'm so sorry you were just there you, you just you've worked through that pain you felt the comfort of God and now now you're on a mission you're on a mission to turn the comfort you experienced and, and and the god works that you experienced after the all things part uh, and 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 you just you're just out there i mean this is a marvelous place to go through a crisis. There's so many people who now know how to marshal their past pain, and it just connects you with other people. I just told you about being a failure as a spiritual leader. Whenever I hear of a pastor's church is shrinking, and they're just discouraged, I mean, I can almost taste it inside. Why? Because I walk through that exact same thing myself. And Paul says, there's a purpose for that. God may not explain all the why, but here's the why we know for sure. With the comfort we experience, we can encourage and breathe strength and comfort into others. We're on a mission. We're unleashed. So thank God for this. Thank God for for just not wasting your pain, but being just like Jesus. I'd like you to stand in fact and I'd like the worship team to come. Look at this verse. And it's out of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And it's talking about Jesus. It says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one, get this, who's been tempted. Sometimes that word can be translated tested. In every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. He didn't curse out his heavenly father. He just didn't take things into his hand and do his own thing. So let us then approach God's throne. You see, he has already experienced the pain that you and I experience. But that didn't become his definer. That didn't become the last word. But it did allow him now to totally understand and get you. So you can come to him. And he's not going to roll our eyes and say, oh, you? You have that problem? He, I mean, you're still hurting over that? No. He, he's walked it. He said, I get pain. I'm going to cross for hours. They nearly flayed me alive when they whipped me. I get pain. And he says, he's been tempted, tested in every way, just as we are. Yet he didn't sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with hesitancy with fear of his judgment, no, with confidence. Not that we have to be impressive and not that we don't hurt and not that somehow, you know, we get to play games with him. But let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Jesus lived this out. He said you should take the pain you've been through and your comfort, Give it to others. Jesus went through pain and he said, I'm going to give you my victory and my strength. I went through it too and now I'm giving it to you.